Break the Ice podcast is presented by Superfood. If you have a high-performance team that needs fueling, check out mysuperfd.com for more information. Everyone, welcome back to Worldwide Break the Ice headquarters here in Arlington, Virginia. Back with another episode of Break the Ice. Joined today by Cap Center Dylan Strom. We're here in the... Uh, the Posh Studio Complex, along with ex- producer extraordinaire Zach Garrett. And uh, Dylan, give us a just general state of, of things in Cap Caps land uh, at this moment. New coach, new system. Seems like um, there, there, there's a lot going well. Seems like there's there's some upside still, but but all things considered, good start right now. Yeah, um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think um, the way we started off, obviously, um, I think that's maybe a little bit to be expected. Obviously, you don't hope to start out like that, but um, you know, with a new coach and new systems and and guys kind of getting in, getting into you know our lines and um, the power play and penalty kill and stuff like that, we kind of got off to a slow start. But um, yeah, with the the recent surge that we we've got here, I think um, it's been going pretty well. Um, can't pinpoint the exact game that it turned around, but you could really feel it. We started to play pretty well, coming back against Montreal, then we lost to Toronto, and then after that we kind of just kind of you know found our game, found a little bit of a scoring touch, and and started to get some goals, got some great goaltending, and um, yeah, nice little stretch here of eight one and one in our last ten. So um, got to keep it rolling, and and uh, it's always nice to get out to a good start um, in my career. Unfortunately, I've got off to some some pretty bad starts. Uh, over my six or seven years in the NHL, and um, it's nice to get off to a good start. You know, you don't have to play catch up the whole season, and and you're kind of sitting in a pretty decent spot. So, um, you know, not that we have wiggle room, but um, you know, it's nice to get out to a you know a nice record where you're a lot above 500. Yeah, it's it's I I think people underestimate the importance of getting off to a good start in this league and just not having to chase the standings. The Edmonton boys will tell you that yeah. this year for sure, um, but here, here we like to uh, we like to delve, go back, uh, spend some time talking about how the uh, the career has evolved and developed. And you grew up in Mississauga, and and obviously the the middle of three brothers, all of whom play pro hockey. But w- like, what are your earliest memories of of the game? I know talking to your dad, he was he played when he when he was young, but he was he was sound like he was more of a lacrosse guy. Yeah, um, he was a lacrosse guy. We, you know, with three boys, especially in Toronto, the Toronto area, um, it was hockey all the time, obviously. Um, you know, we all played for the Toronto Marlboros growing up, and uh, all seven years of, of minor Adam to, to minor midget, we all played for the for the same team, same organization, sorry, all different years apart. Um, a lot of hours as I logged at the rink for my parents and, and grandparents and, and friends, uh, you know, on the team that were dri- helping us drive to the rink or, or getting there or whatnot. But um, I would say my earliest memories of hockey are probably just playing mini sticks with my little brother. Um, my older brother is four years older, and my little brother is only two years younger. So, um, you know, I, a lot of time spent with Matt uh, playing mini sticks, playing one-on-one, playing in the driveway, playing wherever we possibly could. Um, always usually turned into a fight of, of, of some sorts. But, um, you no, know, we had a lot of fun. I think just the competitiveness um, – you know, drove us to try to be great, and and you know we're fortunate, to, like I said, to play on a really good uh, minor hockey organization where it was, winning was expe- expected. Um, it's kind of like if we lost a game, you know, something went wrong, or um, you know, other teams were usually gunning for us, and they knew it. And when the Marlies were coming into town, it was, uh, you know, it was going to be a, a good game, and um, we were always had good teams. So um, I think we just built that that winning culture uh, within us and and growing up. And um, you know, fortunate for us, we got uh, drafted pretty high to the OHL, and and uh, 
we all had, you know, three different situations, but we were all, um, you know, in, in great, great spots and live with great families who we're still close with today and, um, you know, kind of just set up, set us up for success in, in the future. The um, Toronto Marley's name obviously is, has been around forever and, and carries a lot of weight and cachet. And you hear a ton about the, uh, the youth hockey system in the greater Toronto area. Is it as cutthroat as, as, as people paint it? I think when you're like a kid, um, you don't really see as much of it or hear about it as much. You're kind of just so focused on playing hockey. You're just a kid going to school and then going to play hockey. So um, I think obviously there's a lot of politics that that go into it. And um, I'm sure there even was back back when I played that just try not to, you know, here I think our our, our parents did a good job of kind of – you know, not letting it uh, interfere with our, our hockey. Um, I mean, I, I had kids on my team that were moving in from Peterborough or, or from we had a one player from that came from Ukraine that, that played for our team in, in minor midget. So, um, or sorry, Belarus, not Ukraine, Belarus. Uh, and just, you know, I'm sure there was some politics that went into to that. I'm sure other teams weren't happy that we were getting guys. You're supposed to get guys for yeah. only from, you know, the greater Toronto area. But I think every every team kind of figured out a way to, you know, kind of finagle the system and, and get the try to, Try to make the best team. Yeah, it's it's very very competitive. Um, you know, a few a few fisticuffs were thrown in the crowd at, at some of the games back then. But um, no, it's competitive. Hockey's uh, hockey's a, a big part of Canadian culture, and um, no, I'm very proud to be Canadian. And and uh, you know, I wouldn't want to have it any other any other way. And you alluded to the um, you know three boys and and trying to get them all to games and and such. I think you told me too that one set of your grandparents lived fairly close by. Yeah, had to be a massive help to your your parents yeah for sure they they still do they live right around the corner from my parents my parents are still in the same house um that they were in you know ever since i was born i think they bought it when my older brother was two and they're still in there to this day and and my grandparents live right around the corner so yeah lots of uh lots of trips usually was you know mom taking uh you know one son to hockey dad taking another son to hockey and grandparents taking the uh the third the third set of or the third brother to, to hockey so um no, very fortunate that we had lots of help growing up, and and um, we try to repay them w- whenever we can or however we can uh, as we've gotten a little bit older, and we have gr- uh, you know we have our own kids now, and and you know they love being grandparents or great grandparents, so a lot of a uh, lot of family visits together in the summer, and we all live really close to each other, so um, makes for some fun uh, Sunday afternoons and some 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 fun pool days and some barbecues so i know uh everyone in our family loves it and and you know they're all always very respectful of our careers and um of you know how we've worked to get here and and you know they're very very supportive when you went off to erie uh, pennsylvania to play in the ohl you're you're essentially playing in a different country but only a few hours away i guess what was that experience like for you and i mean on the ice you're playing with connor mcdavid connor brown Andre Burakovsky, I think Adam Adam Pellick was on that team. There's a lot of yeah. a lot of NHL players graduated from there, and then Chris Knobloch obviously was was the coach there too. Yeah, um, that was you know a great experience for me. Um, I got drafted uh, second overall to Erie, and and at the time I, I I didn't know too much about the OHL. I knew a little bit because my brother had played there for four years, but not about certain teams or kind of even where where it was or anything. So. Um, I remember I got drafted and and went down there about a week later and and uh, you know they had a, a huge like a welcoming party and there was you know a lot of people f- that were that were big fans that were there um, especially in junior hockey they have kind of the lifelong fans that are um, always at every event and every you know every game every practice and and whatever it may be but I remember I met my billet family um, the first time I got there and I, I w- we weren't expecting that and I'm still close to them to this day um, Ron and Jen Santos they're amazing people and. Um, 
you know, they, they're sending gifts to my daughters now and they, they text me the odd time that they, like, they can't believe I have kids now, uh, going in there just as a 16 year old kid, like probably still had braces at that time, I think. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of crazy how it works. You kind of just grow up and, and, you know, there, there was such a, you know, a tight knit family. They, you know, we ate dinner together as a family every night and, um, really made me feel like I, I was at home. Um, my older brother and younger brother only played like about 45 minutes away from home and I was about three hours, just over three hours. Yeah. So, um, not a, not a crazy long drive, but, um, a little too long to just kind of pick up and go sure. home for the day. So, um, what didn't have that luxury. So I, especially cross country too. So, um, or switching, you know, borders going over the border. So, we got, uh, you know, got used to living away from home, and and luckily I had such a great family that was there to to help me, and and uh, like you said about the hockey wise, just unbelievable players that I got to play with in my first year and and throughout my four years there. Um, you know, couldn't have asked for you know for for anything more. Um, capped it off with the championship in the last year, which was uh, kind of come full circle. We made it pretty far every year, but uh, that last year was pretty special. As as you were growing up and and playing through the system and improving. And, and your brother, your older brother, was was doing the same. At what point did did it dawn on you that wow, you know, I I could I could wind up playing in the NHL? Yeah, I think um, especially from from Toronto, I would say it's probably you know going into my minor midget year. Um, so that's when you're 14, turning 15, mm-hmm. or yeah, 15. Um, and you kind of start to see the, some of the, you know, the, the mock drafts and, uh, you know, you, you see scouts at your games and, and things like that. And, um, you know, you have an agent at that point. So um, I think it kind of starts to become pretty real then. And then, you know, I think the OHL is like almost like a mini NHL where it's it's pretty much the same thing where, um, you know, you're traveling to road games, you're staying at hotels, you're yeah. um, living away from home. Um, maybe it's not as much... Um, you know, freedom as in the NHL. Obviously, you're, you're a grown man at this point, but um, they're very similar. So I think I would say when I was about 15, I think just like I said, seeing those mock drafts and then getting drafted, and then um, you, know, you just kind of start to you know you get you don't get you don't get paid pretty much at all in the OHL, but um, you know you get your uh, your 88 dollars a week for for gas money or whatever it is, and and uh, your billets kind of take care of you for for the rest. So like I said, uh, going back to them, I, I can't thank them enough because you know having a 16 year old hungry uh hockey player in your house i know i was uh, a lot of late night snacks and a lot of uh, she would make dinner and then i would go up and have another dinner at 12 o'clock or 11 or 30 when i was still hungry so um no you kind of just grow up and i think that would be the kind of the start that i I feel like i um especially after my brother got drafted in 2011 uh, 2013 i kind of was like okay you know he can do it i'm kind of following the same footsteps um and i try to just uh you know try to just do whatever he did i was going to ask you that so he was drafted in 2011 that draft was in minnesota did you go the whole family uh go yeah. out for that yeah we went there yeah i um, mean how much of a of an awakening was that just the, the whole process being there and seeing that and thinking that's that's me in yeah four years. it was awesome um it was it was great um i, I guess i would only been four thirteen at that yeah. point so um 14 maybe so you just i was still playing minor hockey still you know maybe grade nine or, or even grade eight and and uh just growing up, you know, you, 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 I became like Ryan Strom's brother. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. Everyone was talking about it. I remember, you know, I got all the Islanders hats and all the the sweater, whatever I could find, and I was just so proud that that he got drafted. And um, it was such an awesome experience. That, like, obviously, we never had experienced that before, but um, 
going there, we watch the draft every year. Um, James Duthie and, and Bob McKenzie mm-hmm. on the panel, and and you know when you get drafted, you got you get to put the sweater on, you get to go do that interview, and um, those are things that I remember that I, I wanted to do so bad. And and when he got to do it, it was it was like so cool. It was just um, you're mesmerized because you watch it so many years in a row on TV, and and then you're finally there. And um, even though it was my brother, it was like I was like starstruck at, at everything I was seeing. So um, four years later, I was in Florida and kind of doing the same thing, and. Uh, Definitely nerve-wracking for sure, but um, luckily didn't have to wait too long, and, and uh, you know, I was really happy. Well, you alluded to um, <clears throat> your uh, winning championship in the OHL. What you left out was the part about winning the um, scoring title uh, <laughs> during your draft year, which, you know, given the, the quality of that league that year is is pretty impressive. What, when when you look back on that and you see the guys who the the names surrounding you and and just the names in that league that year, what do you think that's going to mean to you someday? Yeah, um, that was special for sure. Um, I'll never forget uh, Chris Knobloch, uh, my coach, in the last game of the year we were playing against Niagara, um, and we were already secured a playoff spot. We were already we couldn't move in the standings, and uh, I think Con- Connor McDavid was a little bit sick or or feeling under the weather or kind of just wanted to rest him for the playoffs, and I was. Um, three points behind Marner, uh, Mitch Marner going into the last day. And um, I remember Chris Knobloch came in the room before the game and we were we had 49 wins in the season and 50 wins is kind of like mm-hmm. a big a big thing yeah. in the OHL because you only play 68 games. Yeah. So he's, he said, uh, you know, obviously we're going for the 50th win tonight, everyone, and, and uh, we also got something else to play for. And, and he mentioned to the whole team that, you know, I was four points away from uh, from getting the scoring title. And, um, you know, just something that sticks out to me just how, of how great of a coach and how how good of um, a mentor he was to me and uh, growing up and uh, that's something I'll never forget um, probably the best game of my life I've, I've ever played and um, you know I remember my I had my my parents in, in there after the game and um, got uh, the the game sheet and, and a couple pucks from that game and they took my stick to the Hall of Fame which was uh, kind of cool that was the first time something like that had happened to me that someone that was at the game I just I guess just came down and was like hey can can we take your stick to the Hall of Fame and you know as a 18 year old kid or 17 year old kid I definitely wasn't going to say no so um, handed it over to them right away and uh, I had some people sending me pictures when they were at the Hall of Fame that, that got to see it so um, that was pretty cool Well you finished a few points clear of him so that, that must have been like a 6-7 point game Yeah it was a 6 point game I had yeah. 4 goals and, and 2 assists oh. I remember and we went, ended up winning the game 8-7 uh, in the last game of the year so it was quite the, quite the shootout so we got the 50th win and, and I got the scoring title and um, no it was uh, yeah it was one of those ones that um, some Sometimes when I see the highlights, I kind of just pinch myself, and uh, I could pretty much, you know, remember every single goal from that whole game. <laughs> well, the the draft year that year too, like that that that's a really thick draft, the 2015 draft for me. Looking back on it now, especially, what were your thoughts on where you were going to go going in? Because everybody knew who was going to be one, two, yeah. But there was a whole cluster of guys that that could have gone from three to, yeah, I don't know where, fifteen or yeah, so. You're exactly right. Um, I remember kind of thinking like um, I knew Arizona wanted wanted a big centerman. Um, they they kind of you know were that's something that was always talked about in the media how they you know kind of missing that uh, you know that that yeah. big that big lefty centerman that um, you know that kind of in the Western Conference especially like you had guys like Thornton and Kopitar and and yeah. Taves and and guys that were you know had won all these all these uh, you know cups or or had you know, been so, so dominant in the Western Conference for so long. So I know Arizona was looking for that. And, and then Toronto was the fourth pick um, and Carolina was the fifth pick. So I, I, I really felt like after, if I didn't go to number three, at number three, I, 
I'm not sure where it would have happened. Um, Toronto would have had to decide between myself, Marner, or Hannafin, or whoever went three. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's something that I'm glad I never had to kind of sit through and, and you know, go be kind of waiting. And and uh, I was really happy to, to, to be picked there. And, um, you know, everyone has their own path to the NHL, and, and that's what kind of started mine. So um, that was a, a very, very good draft. And um, I played with a couple of players that were in the 2003 draft, and I like to say that the 2015 draft is stronger, but <laughs> maybe that's just a little <laughs> bit biased. But um, I know I remember t- telling Seabrook about that because I think he was in the 20- 2003 draft. I think he was, yeah, which was a good draft as well. Yeah, yeah really, was pretty good. Really yeah. good one. Um, well, would you have been cool with going to Toronto and, and playing locally? Um, yeah, I think, I mean – I, I was definitely happy to go to Arizona. I, d- I just know how much pressure is put on uh, every first-round pick that goes to Toronto. Yeah. And, um, especially being such a high pick and being from the area. Um, no, that's kind of why I feel like it's it's um, even even more you know special what those guys in Toronto are doing are doing now with Matthews and Marner and um, you know, Tavares being a you know a signing. Yeah. They obviously wasn't drafted there, but signing there and, and you know how well they've you know outperformed. They're kind of where they've been drafted or or their contracts. So um, yeah, I mean. I think my life would have changed a lot more than, than it did um, if having me drafted Toronto. Um, I would have had to adjust. Def- definitely things would have changed. But, um, you know, I was, I was very happy to – I think at that at that time also you kind of just want to, you know, you, you work your whole life to get drafted, so you want to go as high as you can. I'm not yeah. really thinking about the, the spot or the position. So um, you work your whole life to, to, get, dra- to get drafted as, as, as high as you can. Or, um, you know, maybe looking back on it now, maybe – uh, I would be more concerned about the the, the fit or or you know with what team yeah. I was going to or position or whatever it may be. But I think at, in that moment when I'm 18, I was just you know I wanted to be the highest you know draft pick I could be possible, and you know, that's kind of what I was working towards. So what was Arizona like when you got there? And and obviously it's it's different from what you grew up around. Total hockey hotbed in <laughs> Toronto, um, Arizona not so much. But what what was the experience like when you show up there for for rookie camp? training camp all, all those sorts of things yeah I think um you know I've looked back a lot on I've reflected a lot on it I think you know I was just just going and I was just immature um like I was just um an 18 year old kid growing you know going to Arizona I, the weather was beautiful we, we stayed down there for most of the summer one, one year and golfing every day and, yeah. and hanging out with and meeting some new some friends that were drafted there at the same time so um you know I think it was Something that, um, you know, I felt like I had a great camp my first year. Um, I scored in my first shift in my first preseason game in, in wow. Staples Center. Um, it was a 5-on-3, which was, you know, where I think they got a tripping penalty, and then as soon as they won the that we won the face-off, or they won the face-off on the penalty kill, they shot out of play. So a long 5-on-3. Um, so a long 5-on-3, and it was my first shift, and, uh, you know, I scored, and I, I celebrated a little too hard. And um, I remember Drew Doughty said something to me when I was going by. Like, I, like definitely looking back now, I, I think I was just, you know, like I said, a little immature and, yeah. and only 18, and... Um, definitely celebrate a little too hard for a, for a preseason game but uh you know you're kind of just going off raw emotion at that point um you know it's my first time putting on a coyotes jersey in a, in a real game so um no it was it was something that i that i won't forget um and, and just you know dave tippett was there and and they had a lot of a lot of veterans on the team shane Doan was there yeah. i mean um mike smith um ready verbata antoine vermette so guys that have been around for a long time and, and, and a pretty older group and to try my best to make the team i ended up getting sent down back to junior my um my last day at the last the last day of camp uh the last day before the you know everyone gets started to get paid or the, the rosters had to be set and um you know it was just something that you know i learned a lot um i i you know I definitely got some uh, experience and, and uh, you know, knew what it was like, knew how fast-paced it was, and, and um, 
no, then my next year going there, I, I ended up making the team. Uh, I got scratched the first game of the year. Um, then I played three or four in a row. Um, got my first point in my first game, which was cool. And then ended up going back to to junior again and, and you know, playing the World Juniors for a couple of years in a row, which was, was pretty special. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, the World Junior um, situation, because obviously I think that that's a big deal. I think it's more of a big deal in Canada, but it, it's it's become a big deal uh, sure. over the last few decades. Where where were the? Uh, did you get to go to Europe or anything? Yeah, my first one was in uh, Finland, which was pretty nice. cool. I had never been over to Europe before, um, or I think I might have been for the for the Ivan Halinka. I was in Slovakia, but never not a, not as big of a stage as the World Juniors, and and I think that was a cool experience, just because I I, I didn't know how much. Um, other countries cared about hockey like Canada did. I thought it was kind of more Canada than the U.S. And um, being pretty young, just you know, kind of oblivious to the fact that other other countries really do care about hockey. And maybe to this day, a top three or four environment I've ever played in was uh, the quarterfinals against um, against Finland in Finland um, at the Helsinki rink. Um, it was like a crowd like I've never seen before. We ended up losing six five to you know the fin- Finnish team who ended up going on and winning the, uh, their first gold medal and and uh, or second gold medal in a couple of years and um they're becoming obviously they won a couple more since then they're becoming a really yeah. really strong country and um they had Pule RV um Aho Line a, and Ole Olevi on D and and uh they were uh, a pretty special a pretty special group but that I just remember that game being just insane like every time we got the puck the crowd was ooing and aahing and um they were cheering and chanting and we had no idea what they were even saying but um it was just a loud atmosphere the First time I ever played in a rink that the stanchions lit up on the on the boards, okay. so it was blue all the way around the whole rink. Um, and you know when you lose six five, uh, there's lots of goals scored, lots of momentum back and forth. So um, that was a cool experience. I, I think there's so much value in in everybody, whether they're athletes or not, spending some time in Europe, getting away from and just seeing how it's a big world out there. And there's there's Very a lot true. of there's a lot of stuff out there that that we can learn from for sure um, that that we don't see over here when when you did get up to Arizona to stay and you, and you're trying to make your way and trying to you know justify the draft choice make yourself into a top 6 top top 1 or 2 line um center what was that process like um for for that that full season that that you spent there yeah so um so after that year, I got sent by the junior the second time. Um, the, so the third year, I played two games and then got sent down to the minors, um, and to to the to Tucson in the yep. AHL. And that was, um, yeah, that was definitely something that, uh, you know, being a high pick and being you know someone that's <clears throat> people say in the media or, or you're touted to be you know the next franchise player or whatever it may be. It was definitely um, definitely a shock. I mean, um, I was uh, n- not not really not expecting it, but I think you know you just you don't you don't ever dream about playing in the minors. You kind of just yeah. dream about playing in the NHL. And, um, no, I really think that that year helped me a ton. Um, going down and playing for Tucson for, for Mike Van Ryan was the head coach. And, um, he taught me a lot about the professional game and someone I, I, owe, I definitely owe a lot to, um, you know, he brought me into to his office a couple of times and said, you know, you know, we know how good of a you know a talent you are. We know you can score goals, but you know, at the NHL, you know, if you're on the ice for goals against and chances against, you're not going to last very long. And um, he really taught me how to play, um, you know, kind of on both sides of the puck and and play a little bit more, um, you know, defensively responsible. You know, he even mentioned, you know, in junior, you're staying out for two minutes and and you're playing two, full two minutes in the power play and then getting back there right out after. And you know, in the NHL, that just doesn't happen for for the majority of guys. And um, you really had to learn that that game. 
game and I had a great year in Tucson and, and really enjoyed my time there. I was kind of up and down uh, yeah. for, for a lot of the year. I played 50 games in, in the AHL and 20-something, 20 21, I think, in the NHL. And um, so I was up and down a little bit and, and I had, had a good little stretch of 10 games towards the end of the season in the NHL and kind of felt like, okay, uh, you know, I went back to the minors and played in the playoffs and we had a, a pretty decent playoff run. Um, and then uh, the next year, made the team and, uh, you know, played up for all, all uh, 20 games until I got traded. So I never really had that full year with the Coyotes. Um, played 48 games over like six or six, five, five years, four years, I think. So, um, no, but I was definitely fortunate for my time in, in Tucson and, and kind of growing up uh, into a more mature player, I would say. And and to, to back up just a little bit, going through the scouting reports of the year you were drafted, your, your hockey sense and your shot, or off the charts, which you can still see to this day. And the only thing you were getting nicked on was kind of that first step and 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 skating, which um, it seems like you've done a good a good job of of improving that over over the years. Where did the hockey sense come from? Do you think and the shot? Because the hockey sense is is not something that you can instill and it's it's either there or it's not it seems yeah I think just growing up around hockey so much just watching a lot of hockey games having an older brother um going to the rink a lot watching his games uh, maybe maybe paying a bit more attention maybe than other kids to just the game that was going on uh in front of me here being a huge Leaf fan growing up watching a lot of the games you know having my dad talk to me about hockey a yeah. lot um I remember we would be able to watch the first period of, of uh, a lot of hockey games and then we'd go up and, and and do our bed and get ready for bed and we'd fall asleep with the uh with the radio on on uh, I think it was six six eighty or six forty um, in Toronto AM six forty with um, Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph and I remember just falling asleep and, and listening to those guys and and uh, you know we just such big hockey fans that that our, our world kind of revolved around hockey um, you know I wore my hockey tracksuit to school I I played mini sticks at recess I played road hockey when I got home and then yeah. I went to hockey and then when I right before bed I was watching the Leaf game so there wasn't much time in my life where I wasn't thinking about hockey or playing hockey. I think that just um, maybe that's where some of the hockey sense comes from. And and uh, also playing with really talented players, I think, is the, the other part of it, in, in junior especially, where you kind of, um, you know, you get to learn from, from some guys that are just so you know cerebral or so talented that you can kind of pick up little things here and there like like you mentioned some of those guys my first year in junior just you know watching the way they played I mean McDavid was the same age as me but you could kind of tell um not kind of tell you could definitely tell uh you know how how elite he was and and how he was gonna uh, be one of the best players in the world at, in, in a very very short amount of time um it was five years ago this weekend that you were traded from from Arizona to Chicago I think you played that day against Calgary and and then found out and then you're maybe two days later you're in Chicago picking up a couple of points for them in your first game what was that whole experience like finding out how much of a shock was it because the first time usually you don't see it coming I definitely did not see it coming yeah that was um it was crazy I I think you're right I think we lost to Calgary 6-1 and it was a Sunday night um in in Arizona and it was like a mid-afternoon game and and I remember I was at home, I was sitting in my little gaming chair that I bought playing some Fortnite, and I got a mm-hmm. call from John Chaika, and, and uh, you know, at that time, it only means two things. That means you traded or you sent down. Um, so my heart obviously dropped, and, uh, you know, he just told me that I was, uh, you know, traded to Chicago, and he said, you know, I wish you all the best, you know, for for whatever reason. that It didn't work out here, and, and we have to make a trade, and, and I said, um, I think the first thing I asked him was, who did I get traded for? <laughs> And he said, oh, "I can't yeah. tell you that." So I was, I was kind of just sitting in oh. the in the in the weeds and um, 
quickly texted my parents, I remember, and uh, the first person I called was Debrinkat. Um, he was my, my junior uh, line mate for three years, or a couple yeah. years, two years at least, and three years on the same team, and we lived together the last year and a half. Um, and we had some really good chemistry, a lot of, a lot of points, and a lot of goals, and, and uh, I remember just calling him right away, and, and he's like, because I guess at that time when I called him, he had read a, a tweet from Elliot Friedman saying, you know, Chicago and Arizona are making a trade, and then I called him, um, and he's like, no way, and then we kind of <laughs> just had the, the goosebumps go on for each other, and um, it was, uh, it, it turned from, you know, shock to really excited really yeah. quickly, like going to play an original six market, like with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith and these guys that had won Stanley Cups. And, um, so I got traded at about nine o'clock or maybe about eight o'clock at night. I had to drive and meet the trainer, Stan Wilson with my equipment. He brought my equipment about halfway from Scottsdale to Glendale. So we met halfway and, um, myself and Brendan Perlini were on a red eye flight that night to get to Chicago and, uh. We landed at about 8 a.m. I want to say it was. I hadn't seen. I felt like I hadn't seen snow in forever. It was a snowstorm that day. It was like a blizzard, and I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Like I feel like I'm playing hockey. And uh, went right from the airport right to the rink for practice. I remember the older guys were waiting there, uh, and they had to push back practice a little bit because they knew we were coming into town. And wow. uh, uh, so the the older guys were definitely had a few things to say when we first got in there. They know they hurry up and yeah. and get going. So um, had practice, met all the guys. Um, Moved into Debrinket's condo with with him and his uh, him and his girlfriend at the time, and and uh, now his wife, and and uh, you know played the next night against um, Vegas, Vegas, and had a goal and an assist, and was on the line with Patrick Kane and and Debrinket, and it was uh, it was a whirlwind, you know, forty eight hours, but uh, the initial shock turned to excitement really really quick. Yeah, and and in Chicago, I feel like. You got there maybe days after Quenville. Correct. Was, I think was, it was like a week. Yeah. So it, it, your your time there almost coincides with with the Colleton yep. uh, era, and it, it for whatever reason, I mean, you 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 kind of hit the ground running there. Your ice times up, and, and essentially during that period of time that you spend with the Hawks, um, you become that the the player that Arizona yeah. drafted. Um, but what did it mean to to be able to play with Kane and Taves, and then later on come here and play with um, Ovechkin <laughs> and Backstrom? And yeah. you've already played with with McDavid. I mean, yeah. Uh, and and I, I'm I'm sure there are guys that that are going to say, well, you know, yeah, I played with Dylan Strom too. <laughs> I mean, I I just feel like it's it's one of those things where when, when it's when it's all over, that, that that's going to be a, a a cool thing for all of you guys to look back on and say, yeah. Those were good years playing playing with that guy or those guys. Yeah. Um, sometimes I definitely have to pinch myself and think, like, you know, those are the people that I was watching growing up um, for sure. Um, you know, it, Arizona obviously has, like, Shane Doan, who is, like, you know, a, a Canadian legend. legend. Um, Mike Smith, um, who was, you know, played for Team Canada uh, a bunch of times. Um, and I think, you know, it's not a huge hockey market. They do have a, a lot of loyal fans. Um, but then get into Chicago and just – you know, I was almost like jealous of Debrinka because he got to play with all these cool players and and play in such a cool market and, and arena and and uh, then when I got there it was like it was like you know everything you kind of dream about and, and more yeah. and um, no I really felt like um, you know when you're in the moment you don't think about like you know if you don't play well here, you, you, this may be like, you know, not many teams are going to keep giving you chance after chance. So um, I didn't really think about that at the time, but looking back on it now, I might've had a bit more anxiety about, you know, if I didn't play well here, um, you know, who knows what would happen when I go to the minors or whatever, whatever might happen or not get the next contract or whatever. Um, but just 
having to get into play with those guys and learning from them um, was an experience I'll I'll never forget. Uh, learning how to, you know, be an NHL player, play on every every other day. I remember probably the second day after that Vegas game, the next day I go to the rink for practice and um, the team services uh, team services guy Tony Oman. Um, comes up to me and goes, hey, like, just you can look uh, look for an apartment. Let me know when you find one, and we'll get you all kind of set up. And and something as small as that, which was what I never had in Arizona. Yeah. I was living at the hotel. I was living with uh, you know guys on the team, or trying to f- you know never had a kind of a permanent spot. And then the second day I was in Chicago, they told me you know go look for a place. And as small as that is, it's like you know the for for a guy coming up and to get a housing letter and, and knowing you're you know you're going to be there and you know they want you to be here they just traded for you they they're making this investment in you I think that's kind of what um led me to to be successful and and, and to to have some success with Chicago and um you know I ended up working my way to or finding my way to Washington where I got to play with uh you know the greatest goal scorer in NHL history. Well, I mean, what you're talking about that that letter of housing that that's kind of a rite of passage in this league that that people overlook once you get past that 10 game point so we just got through it right. i think i think like back back just got it yeah it, yeah you know so it, it I, means something it, especially when you're drafted third overall i think yeah. it, it means even more but you know maybe that's just one of those things that just got overlooked in, in, the, in sure. that market unfortunately for but, sure um and i know that when you look at looking back on it you, you understand from from the the chicago standpoint the 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 non-tender because they're they're obviously trying to, they're not going to yeah. say it but they're they're they're, they're looking to tank they yeah. want that they want to put put all their eggs in the bedard basket so to speak and it worked out well for them and it worked out well for you so i uh, but but honestly that that probably didn't feel good at at the time when when you're like you said you you get set up there yeah. and i know there had been some some situations that you you weren't really happy with as far as getting scratched maybe yeah. or your your role yeah what, what was that like when you when you all of a sudden in the middle of summer you you got your summer plan workout you know yeah show up at training <laughs> camp this this is a all of a sudden just a little bit of turmoil in the middle of of yeah. of the off season what was that experience yeah. like um i mean we had heard some rumors that uh that you know chicago was you know, looking to, you know, kind of revamp the roster, uh, for lack of a better words, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they got rid of a lot of guys. Um, yep. Brinka got traded, Doc got traded, um, Kubali didn't get qualified, myself didn't get qualified. I remember I went to my uh, my agent's office um, about five or six days before free agency started, so it was like July 7th or July 8th, and, you know, he sa- we sat down in, in their big meeting room at, at Newport Sports there and, and just in Mississauga, and he said, so you're you're not gonna be a Chicago Blackhawk anymore, um, and I was like, oh, well, I, I don't know if I was expecting it or or if I was you know kind of a little bit shocked, uh, and then like kind of like the first time, like your mind kind of quickly changes to okay, um, well, hopefully another team has interest in me, and uh, five or six days to you know kind of figure out where where I might go or or something like that, and 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 nothing really happened in those five or six days, and then and then July thirteenth I think was uh was free agency day, and. Uh, came around and, and there was a few teams calling here and there. Washington was one of them and nothing happened that first day. And I was sat in my house the whole day watching trade center. And my brother ended up signing his contract with Anaheim that mm-hmm. day. Um, similar situation. And uh, so the, the 14th rolls around and I'm like, I can't sit in the house any longer and watch this TV. I'm going to go mental. Yeah. Um, so I went to the golf course. I had a, you know, a tea time book with some, some friends and, um, 
sure enough on the first hole I'm, I'm driving down the fairway and and my agent calls me and he goes well we have an offer uh it's one year uh and it's with washington and and you know he kind of asked me what i thought the, the the value might be and um i said a little lower than than they offered and he's like i think you should take it right away so i um, called my brother and got his thoughts and um became pretty apparent to me pretty quickly that uh you know i was going to be a washington capital and uh signed the contract at the ninth hole and uh, after the ninth hole and, and at the halfway house and uh I think I had a beer with a few of my friends and gave a little cheers and uh, you know off we went. So I was it was definitely a uh, a whirlwind of a day and and I was uh, pretty excited just because it's such a you think that you know 32 teams are going to 31 other teams yeah. are you got to have your pick of teams and that maybe happens for like one or two guys in, in free agency and and uh, you kind of got to wait till the team comes calling and and thankfully Washington did and and couldn't be happier. I think in a different climate salary cap wise and everything else you would have had a lot more um, <laughs> I appreciate that but but um, you you get here and obviously think things are things are different you're you're trusted you're pu- you're put into the top six right away you're playing uh, a fair amount with 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 OV H- how did the the transition go because I mean obviously it, it went well because less than a year after you arrived here it went well enough that you wanted to stay here for five years and the team wanted you to be here for five years yeah um just coming in right away um obviously back you with his hip i think i knew he was going to be out um for the first part of the season or however long it was going to be and i remember getting a text from uh blaine forsyth the power play coach last year and, and the previous 17 years in, in washington um he told me you know how do you like playing on the on down low on the power play and and i was like yeah i mean i love it wherever, wherever you want me and i kind of just it's almost one of those other like little confidence things, like the housing letter type thing, where you know you yeah. get that text and you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna be on the first power play right away, and um, you know they see me as a, a valuable player for their team, and something as little as that I think goes a long way for for a hockey player or or, or for anyone, and when you get that little confidence boost, and um, so just going in, I knew I was gonna be relied upon, and. Um, met with Lavi a couple times and you know he seemed to like love the way I play I called him I talked to him in the summer a little bit and um no they were excited to have me so um yeah coming in right away just kind of got off on the right foot got out to a pretty good start um you know enjoyed playing here I loved the rink loved the city my you know my wife loved it um we had a daughter who loved it loved our backyard we had a nice like playground structure in our backyard and it just felt like uh felt like home to be honest and uh was really happy when we started talking about in the next contract uh, around February, and um, really happy the way it worked out. Kind of in the middle between Chicago and Arizona, <laughs> yeah, exactly. as far as the hockey yeah. market goes, too. So and weather wise, yeah, weather wise, a lot of, a lot of yeah. different things. So um, yeah, but it worked out. Um, looking back now, do you think there's there's any value in kind of being naive sometimes? At, at some, so you, you mentioned it a couple of times that you weren't aware of certain things at at certain ages. Sometimes it's 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 maybe better. And, and and maybe especially for you, it seems like if you think about things, do, do you have a tendency to overthink 100%, sometimes? Hundred percent. I think it still goes to to, for, to this day. I mean, you you don't score for a couple games, you start thinking about you know your mind wanders, and and you never want to be in that position. But I definitely think. Um, you know, like it goes even back to as far as like your OHL draft year when I was fifteen. Like, um, yeah. you know, like if I was thinking about more then, which I'm glad I wasn't. Uh, you know, yeah. You're out there just playing hockey. Once you're on the ice, you kind of you kind of forget about everything. But there's definitely you know some things. It's the first time people have started you know tweeting at you or want to do interviews or or uh, you know coming to your house and and meeting teams and meeting GMs and and yeah. things like that. So yeah, I think it's really easy to to kind of uh, you know think too far ahead of things. And I, it's something I still 
you know, work on to this day where, you know, not thinking too far ahead, just kind of living in the moment and, and not worrying about, you know, what's going on from two weeks from now. Just, you know, we had practice today. You're worried about practice tomorrow and, and you focus on Buffalo on Wednesday and, and you kind of just roll from there. And I think that's something that I've learned and I'm still working on to this day, just, um, you know, living in the moment and, and, and kind of enjoying each day. And it's a privilege to play in the NHL. So um, I'm, I'm enjoying each day. I got a beautiful family with two kids, two dogs, beautiful wife. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy with where, where, where life is and, and the team's doing well. So um, hopefully can keep it rolling and there's going to be ups and downs, but um, that's what you have a good support system for and, and try to try to you know live your life as best you can. Well, you've done a good job, I think, of kind of surfing the waves that 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 are inevitably going to be there over the the course of a career. And and one thing that stands out to me talking to your dad, he said that pretty much at every level you ever played at, you you were aware of like the kids on on the other team, you were aware of their stats. And I mean, just, just this conversation today, I, I, I can feel that too. And, and I feel like even the conversations we have about the NHL, like you seem like a guy, I, I've run into a lot of guys over the years that you think that guy would make a good coach someday. <laughs> but for you, it seems like you would be a GM. Yeah. You would be a guy who I could see whenever, whenever the, the playing gig is up, is is that something that that, that interests you? Because it, it just seems like you have a head for that. Yeah, I think I think just with my whole life being hockey, ever since I was like two or three, I think I I, I can't really picture myself doing anything different. Um, you know, like we kind of just talked about not looking too far ahead. I I feel like um, that's something that definitely has has piqued my interest or some sort of uh, maybe not towards analytics wise, but maybe towards um, you know working with a GM or or you know something like that, like an executive scout. an executive role, scout type thing. Um, someone that's in the press box watching games can help make decisions. I think I love that side of hockey and and uh, like I guess like my dad said, who know who knew he even picked up on that uh, as I was growing up. But yeah, I was always interested in stats and and guys' points and. Um, know what guys are doing around the league or OHL or NHL or you know even minor hockey so you know very very into that kind of stuff um you know you know as an offensive guy you want to be a guy near the top of the the standings or or the points or or whatever it may be and just I'm always had a knack for um you know trying to produce as much as I can when when you're put in a great position or or things like that so just really love the the game of hockey and it's given a lot to myself and, and all my family so um you know, anyway, I can give back. I try to do that all the time when, when we have skates or, or with kids or whatever it may be or meeting fans. Um, you know, I meet fans out here every single day after practice. I, I park up there all the time. And, um, you know, just something that, you know, if I was a six- or seven-year-old kid and looking to get my autograph from a player, I think it would be pretty cool um, to have someone come out and, you know, be personable and be nice. And um, I think that goes a long way to people buying your jersey in the rink, people supporting you, people seeing you in public and being respectful and, um I think that's the way my parents raised me, so I try to try to emulate that as best as I can. On an off night, do you still watch games yeah, from around the league? It's yeah. schedules have been pretty good this year. I've got a lot a lot of my brothers' games. Uh, we're kind of on say, the off nights. The fact is, watching them last night. It's at ten ten p.m. doesn't yeah. help too much, but right. uh, um, definitely watching a lot of hockey. Um, daughter goes to bed usually around seven seven thirty, so um, kind of right when the, the all the games get going. So throw it on my iPad or on the TV or whatever and um, definitely watching a lot of hockey and I know a lot of guys in, in the room do too so nice to talk about with him in the morning when uh, when the football talk gets put to the side for a little bit we can talk about hockey but you know we have a lot of fun with it and I definitely enjoy the game. How much do you keep in contact with your brothers every day? Of a season? Yeah, yeah every day yeah 
um, especially with my little brother being in Hershey, it's, it's it's great. You know, he knows all the players. We know um, know the staff. We all meet them at camp, yeah. and he was here at camp. So definitely every day, um, you know, he's grinding it out down there. Um, got a little two-game point streak going on yeah, with my little brother. That. So, um, you know, we talk every day. Me and my older brother and my younger brother, we, we have, we're in the same football pools. We're in the same, uh, you know, fantasy leagues and, and things like that. And um, whether it's me, just me and my brother or me and my brother and my dad, um, we're talking every day about – about something to do with hockey or, or sports or, or just life in general. We're sending pictures of the kids and stuff. So, um, you know, it's, uh, we got a really close family, and it, it's it's awesome in the summer to get back with everyone, and, and uh, our daughters love each other. So, um, you know, they, they love to play with each other, and it kind of comes full circle. That's great stuff. We're glad to have you here in Washington for sure, and thanks for spending some time with us here on the uh, Break the Ice podcast. See you next time. Superfood Performance Nutrition fuels the Washington Capitals, players, and staff on and off the ice. Each bite is energy-packed, highly nutritious, and engineered to boost recovery time. When they're not feeding pro athletes, Superfood is bringing the same high-quality nutrition to offices nationwide through their flagship corporate meal program, Simply Lunch. So if you have a high-performance team that needs fueling, Check out mysuperfd.com for more information.